Meeting the people in your community. Here's Lisa Kay with Talk of the Town. Time for another Talk of the Town here in the KTOE studios. Craig Sapir joining me from the Department of Natural Resources. And normally we have a DNR Dan this time of the month, but Craig, uh, I think he's recouping from the Steele County Fair. So <laughs> did you have to work the fair this weekend? I did. I worked a couple, well, not over the weekend. I worked um, during the week last week a couple slots. So I spent about eight hours there. Wow. So yeah, I did. We all, we all contribute a little bit. Well, that's cool. I know that uh, it's a busy one. It's fair season, so you, the DNR is probably traveling around right now. Craig is the Waterville Fisheries Supervisor, and I met him when we were out broadcasting live. Charlie and I hanging out at uh, doing our live broadcast for the governor's fishing opener, and that was the first time that I had been to the Waterville facility, and that was pretty impressive. Yeah, we, um, you know, about eight years ago, we we didn't have a sign out at Highway 60, so people, you know, they'd be driving by for like 20 years, I'd hear from people, and they go going from fair, fair boat to, to Mankato, and they didn't even know that we were there. But we put the sign up so we get more <laughs> visitors now, and it was it was nice this spring having, um, having the governor's fishing opener here in our backyard again for the second time in four years and, and having the opportunity to um, have an open house and get people out here. And we had about 300 people show up, so it was awesome, and it was great talking to you too, by the way. I know that uh, there's a lot of people, like like I said, you didn't have the sign-up. They didn't realize what you were doing out in Waterville, and uh, I learned a lot while I was there. Uh, most importantly, I think that, that you existed back there, so thanks for that sign. Uh, but yeah. what have you been doing? I mean, I know that there's a lot of uh, outreach that you have been a part of to connect anglers in our area, not only to the sport of fishing, but to the DNR and all the work that it does in this area. Yeah. So it's often a, an area of, um, th- there's like an infra- information void sometimes among our anglers. And when you have a kind of information void, because may- maybe it's because we're not putting enough information out as a DNR agency or a fisheries department or an area fisheries office like we are here in south central Minnesota, or maybe it's because we're just not connecting. But when you have that kind of information void, um, then it starts to get filled up with other stuff that may not may or may not be accurate. And so one of my big goals, at least during the last year about, has um, has been to try to fill that up a little bit better in south-central Minnesota with, with our angler clientele in the Waterville Fisheries Office. And um, so we've been doing that. We we held a, we have, we formed what was called the Fisheries Information Network, or Sharing Network, excuse me, it's called Fishing. And we had a first, our first meeting last February, and we had, we did quite a bit of advertising, and I sent, I sent stuff out on Facebook you know, all the time as kind of a social media connection point. And um, it, we send, you know, I'll post stuff on my post and it gets reshared across a bunch of angler kind of Facebook groups that are in, in Minnesota. And uh, we sent the word out on that meeting last February and we had 100 people show up. Mm. Um, some people might say, well, it's not a lot, but for a DNR meeting, that's a lot. And um, it was really great. And we had just tons of positive feedback and uh, we did a survey and asked people their opinions and how we should proceed and how can better communicate. And we took that information and um, really been applying it for the last, you know, since February. And uh, so we're tr- trying to get as much information out just on just on basic stuff like what what do we do as a fisheries office from day to day um, when we go out and do a survey in a lake. We try to send that information out right away so people know what we're doing and and it's really been met with a lot of positive positive response from our anglers um they're they're asking for more of it so and in fact 
when we had our meeting in February, we put down on there, how often would you like to have meetings? Knowing, you know, we all have lots of meetings. We don't have a lot of time. And um, I was thinking all of them want two a year, maybe just one a year. Well, <laughs> the anglers wanted four a year. Oh, so, wow. And we we haven't had that many yet, but um, we're, we're going to plan another one for next winter. So. Uh, it's been it's been really nice, and this outreach has connected with a lot of people, and it's just it's been a great um, great process, and I hope hope we can continue to do more of it. Don't you think four year might make sense with the four seasons? Maybe there's something to talk about each different season with anglers. It, it does, and it, you know I think about hosting a meeting, and I try to put a lot I put a lot of work into it, and so the thought of hosting four of them a year with our already you know kind of busy schedule is kind of daunting to me, but honestly. You know, our anglers, they just want basic things. They want a chance to come and communicate and talk and, and provide that kind of that input back to us. And, and I'd like to hear that input, too. So um, I think holding four is probably a good idea. And that, I think that starting um, this this winter, we'll probably try to accommodate that. With, and you're right, four, four seasons um, we have here, and there's a lot of different things that go on during those four seasons. So it does make some sense. What kind of input are you are you looking for, and have you received so far that has been useful for you from the anglers that attended? Well, that's that's a great question. So the basic ones are just questions, and you know, what, like for example, I'll post something on a lake lake survey that we did where we go out and set nets and we kind of monitor fish populations. Well, we'll post something on that and get that out into the the public's or anglers' hands, and then they just have basic questions. Um, what is what does it mean to have 15 walleyes per net, and how does that compare to other lakes in this area or other lakes in the state? Um, why do you not put a regulation on this lake for walleye? And those kind of questions, when they ask those, gives us a chance to kind of, like I said at the top, is to fill that information void that's there. Because if that question is out there with one person that's willing to ask it, that means there's probably a lot of people out there that are asking the same kind of questions. So there, there's that need right there. Um, the other thing is is that, like, when we have a fisheries management plan, we, I manage about 120 lakes in our nine counties in south-central Minnesota. Every so often we are updating our fisheries management plans. So, like, Lake Madison Lake, east of Mankato, has a management plan, and we update that about every five to ten years. So the kind of input we're looking for is that when we're going to update a management plan, we would send out in, send out a draft or send out our ideas to the public of how we've been managing and their thoughts, and they can actually provide input to us. And that's the kind of um, connection and buy-in that I want to develop with our local anglers and our, and our lake folks and anybody really that uses the outdoors in, in south-central Minnesota. Craig, when you put together these management plans, are they directly from the surveys that you have taken? Can you tell our audience a little bit about the surveys that the DNR does that you're doing um, and, and what they are, how they're done, and what do you do with the data? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so in order to monitor our fish populations, we have to do something to kind of get snapshots in time of what's out there. So we have netting surveys that we do, um, sometimes on a systematic basis. And we would go out and we would set trap nets, which are nets that are near shore. Fish get caught on them. We take all the fish out. We measure their lengths and weights and take scales off them to be able to age the fish. And then we look, release them back to the lake. And we also set gill nets, which are another means for us to catch fish. And uh, the two different gears that we use for netting really kind of dictate what species we're going to get. They each are kind of good at catching certain species that we have in our lakes. And then the third component of our surveys are spring electrofishing, and that's specifically targeted at largemouth bass because bass don't get captured in nets very 
pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So, so we have these three gears. We go out in the spring. We do our electric fishing. During the summer, um, we're just wrapping up right now our surveys and all netting. We take that information. We put it together. Um, we process it during the winter. Um, our My fishery specialists will be aging all their fish. So we take structures off the fish, and we can actually age them and see how old they are and you know how fast they're growing. All those kind of pieces of information can help us to determine um, the the um, the current status of a fishery. And then we use that information from our netting to implement it into an individual lake management plan. So every lake has its own management plan. We take that survey data. We take other com- other information like um, some of the information from the um, watershed, um, the cities, the counties, um, other important components that affect the fishery. We put that all together into a plan and then we have kind of this long-term document that we can use to manage that lake. And so that's kind of the lake management plan system. And again, getting input from those that are using those resources is really important to us to be able to succeed. It's really interesting to hear you describe that because that was one of the things that kind of piqued my interest as one of your employees upstairs was doing a whole thing on aging fish and, and explain to us how that happens. And it's not very often you get to get up close, you know, especially with the DNR and get to get that information right there. I had no idea you could age fish like a tree almost. Yep, you're exactly right. So that, that I'm glad you got to stop up and see that. Uh, Sky does a good, he's one of our specialists. Yeah. He does a really good job with that that kind of educational component. And yeah, fish, um, the fish growth is really important to us and the aging because, we, you know, we stock a lot of fisheries in southern Minnesota. And for us to be able to take a scale or um, an otolith, which is an inner ear bone, and actually age that like a tree where you count the growth rings, um, and I guess I'll just say that the reason why these growth rings are there is because, like a tree, a fish grows continuously. And during certain times of the year, their growth speeds up during the summer when there's a lot of food resources, or in the winter when water temperatures get cold, um, they slow down. So then you can see those annual kind of rings develop, and that's how we can assess the age of a fish. Um, but in order to be able to determine whether our stocking was successful, we need to know what year, how old that fish was and what year it came from. And that way we can assess our stocking program. And the second component of the age and growth is the growth part is that we can look at how fast they're growing and we can kind of see if it's a healthy population. Um, growth can indicate too many fish or too few fish or lack of resources. So the age and growth component of our lake surveys is really critical. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a great story all in itself that people can come here and we can kind of show them how we age fish and what it means to our management. Our Talk of the Town guest today, Craig Superior, the Waterville Fisheries Supervisor and with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. We're talking a little bit about some of the management plans that you do and how you stock the fisheries. Uh, when you notice that a lake maybe is down, maybe you don't uh, get as many uh, fish that are uh, trapped or counted, mm-hmm. counted, I should say, um, and that's when you know when to go in and add more? Yeah, it, it can, um, certainly. In fact, it can be the opposite, too. We have in a couple of our management plans that when northern pike numbers get above a certain number per net, that we stop stocking them for a period of time. And that's because when northern pike abundance gets above, like, six per net, that can impact negatively your walleye stocking. So, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of little thing, caveats that go into our, our survey and lake management planning that um, most people probably don't know about. Right, and and there is so much that you do there. What are some of the other things that are going on right now at the hatchery? Well, we have um, a whole bunch of ponds outside that are drainable that we are raising fish in right now. So we are uh, have some staff that are out monitoring those on a day to day basis. 
Um, we also have to get forage for some of those ponds. Um, in some of them, we have muskie. They're a statewide fish that we raise here and stock statewide, um, and those have to be fed. So we're, we're out collecting food and forage and fatted minnows for them. Um, so we're doing that. Um, we're wrapping up our lake surveys, which we just talked about. Next week, I think, is our last one for the year. And then we're going to start the transition into our fall work, which is mostly focused on fish production, um, draining our ponds at the hatchery here and harvesting the fish and getting them stocked out in lakes, um, but also going out to some of our natural ponds, some of our wetlands that we stocked walleye fry in the spring, and seeing if we have um, enough out there to harvest to be able to stock some of our lakes that have fingerling quotas, which are fish that are four to six inches that we stock in the fall. So yeah, we're kind of in a transition period maybe right here in the next couple of weeks, but um, there's always something going on here at Waterville Fish Hatchery. So now if you stop and think about that, there's another, we just talked about a couple of different you know seasons, so you'll have mm. your, your meetings planned next time already. Yeah, yeah right <laughs> on. You, we just talked about two of them, right? You're welcome for that, Craig. We're, we're almost done there. <laughs> yeah, I actually talked about three of them because we have winter, too. That's when we assess our, and make our planning, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, what happens in the winter? I don't want to think about, you know, this week is going to be a hot one, but with, with winter on the way, I'm, I, does it slow down? Uh, it, it's just different. It doesn't necessarily slow down. I mean, we can't, we can't get out in the field and do the field work that we do during our open water season. Um, but we still have work to do, you know, around this area, we have aerators. We do some inspections on those. Um, we are also out monitoring dissolved oxygen because, you know, we can get winter kill events and that kind of affects how we approach management after the fact. Um, so we, we have some things like that we're doing, but then also, you know, all these surveys that we've done from June, you know, through August now, we're going to be working those up, like I said, aging those fish and writing reports and making management plans and kind of planning for next year. So um, there's still work work being done year-round out here, even though that's um, it's iced up around here. I, I want to get to the state fair because I know that you guys are going to be busy up there this week, but I have this dying question I need to ask. How do you move all those fish? So I, no matter what size they are, you move them around the state to stock different lakes, ponds, streams, whatever. Yep. yep. So um, to move fish, we, we usually haul them. If, if you're the physical part of moving fish, we haul them in hauling tanks um, filled with water, and then we usually have oxygen running to them. Um, so that that's um, that's kind of how how we haul them around from place to place. Uh, the fish at the state fair will be um, some of those are held, and then some of those are captured and brought to the fair. And there's a really cool fish fish display at the state fair. So I would recommend anybody that's going to the state fair to stop by and check out like the DNR activity area because there's a lot going on. Um, there's actually a stage that's there and that runs programs from 10 in the morning until uh, nine at night every single day of the fair. And there are a wide range of topics from parks to fire prevention to canine, you know, DNR's canine enforcement program, um, all kinds of stuff. And then there is the, there's a fish pond there, and they do fish pond talks. Uh, and I think that those are at, let's see, they're at 45 minutes after the hour from the 9 o'clock hour through the 3 o'clock hour. So if you want to learn about fish, it's a really popular spot there at the fair. And then there's an information desk there, too, that um, you can come and try to stump the DNR employees. I think that's always kind of a fun <laughs> game that the public likes to do. And um, if I, when I'm working there, it's really easy, but we have some pretty smart people on staff, so the other people are probably a little harder to stump than I am. I wanted to ask, you know, with the regions that you cover, does the DNR send somebody from every region to the state fair? So you answer the question, you get to go to the state fair and work. Yeah, I have. I, I'm not this year, but I have in the past, and... Um, 
we have done a rotating, like the area fisheries offices, like 28 of them in the state, we have a rotating core that kind of goes and covers the fisheries part. But we have all the divisions represented. So there's fisheries and, and parks and trails and ecological resources. So there's staff and forestry. I mean, all these different divisions that usually have um, somebody there um, that can help answer questions that come up. Because, you know, there's an awful lot that goes on the DNR I don't know about. So if somebody comes and asks me a question about forestry likely i can't answer it so we try to have staff there that are that are um that can answer questions when people come up because we get a lot of people that ask questions and it's great yeah so you'll be the fish guy craig the fish guy craig the, the fish dan. guy i'm not dan what did you call it, it i call him dan dnr something. dan i mean isn't he dnr like- dan it doesn't ring very well dnr craig but we can figure <laughs> something out i like craig the fish guy we'll talk now if somebody is listening and they're like i want to get involved in uh the program that you talked about where they can give input where they can you know go to one of those four talks that you're going to be having next year um, I put you on the hook for that. Uh, yeah. Where can they go to sign up? What do we need to do to follow you and give us yeah, more info? Yeah, the best thing to do would be to give me a call, or you can either call or text me. And my work cell phone is five zero seven four six one nine three seven seven. And um, I'm getting a lot of people doing that. You can also email me. And if you go to the DNR's website and type in Waterville Area Fisheries in the search box. It comes up with all the different fisheries offices in the state. And if you click on Waterville, my name and phone number and my email address will be listed there. So give me an email and just say, hey, you're interested in our fishing, and uh, we'll get you on our contact list, which now I think is getting close to four or 500 people. Oh, so nice. it's, getting, it's getting up there. Very good. We're going to put all that information in the show notes underneath this on KTOE.com on the uh, podcast page as well, where you can connect with Craig and the yeah. Minnesota Department of Natural Resources, the fisheries supervisor out in Waterville. And just so before we let you go, what are some uh, tips right now? What are people looking for when they're they're hitting the lakes right now? Well, it's it's the time of year where it gets a little bit harder to fish in southern Minnesota because our lakes get a little bit green, the water temperatures warm up, and some fish go offshore. So you're going to want to target places that have decent shore fishing um, for things like panfish, bluegills, maybe some largemouth bass. So hit the fishing piers. Those are usually situated in places that have that kind of better interaction with those kind of species. Um, but the rivers are also a really good opportunity during this time of year. We have really great catfish populations in the Minnesota River. Um, we have some smallmouth bass populations in some other local rivers. So there's plenty of opportunities out there. The big thing is just to get out and do it because that's, uh, that you're not going to catch anything if you're sitting at home behind the computer or behind your phone. Not as fun and getting outside. I know that you and I are going to talk next time, I think, uh, a little bit about the benefits of connecting to the outdoors in that way. Like you said, you got to get out from behind that computer. Yes, tons of health benefits, and we're going to talk about that at a future time, so I'm really looking forward to being with you again. All right, Craig Supir, the Waterville Fisheries Supervisor from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Craig, good to talk to you. We'll check in again soon. Thanks, Lisa.